Rocking all week with you, a Happy Days podcast. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 10, or Episode 30 overall. I'm Dan, I'm your host. In this episode, we are talking Fonzie the Superstar and Two Angry Men. We are in late January, early February 1976, after, um, and I will be talking about this more, The after Fonzie the Superstar airs, which features two very special guest stars, a very special brand new program begins. But we will, we will talk about that when we get into it. And I want you to forgive me, folks. This is the third time I'm recording this opening due to uh, screw-ups. And so um, I, I think that the first time I recorded it, it stank. And then this uh, the second time was really great, but I can't remember what I said. So I think I'm just going to dive right in here. Hey, I hope you all doing well, by the way. And I hope you're enjoying the show. Fonzie the Superstar, uh, directed by Jerry Paris, written by Arthur Silverberry Rabinowitz. The basics behind this are that the gang, the, the, the band, Potsy, Styx, Ralph, and Richie are going to be performing at a senior dance of some sort at Arnold's. Uh, but Potsy isn't going to be there the weekend when they're performing because he has like a rich uncle, Wilbur, or something like that, who wants him to go to Notre Dame um, to visit the college, which because the rich uncle went there and Potsy's dad is insisting he goes, so Potsy's not going to be there basically. And uh, Arnold is going to pay him, I think, $300. I'll, I'll form $300 to play. And like, well, we can't lose this gig. What do we do? And after some diddling, fiddling around, Ralph decides, let's have Fonzie do it. And Fonzie's against it at first, but eventually Ralph and Potsy convince him. Um, and he brings in, Fonzie brings in Laverne and Shirley to do backups for him and I say that as if you know the show had already premiered like we know it's Laverne and Shirley he brought in those two gals from the brewery um, to sing along with him but the Fonz is having a little trouble singing he's a little nervous there are a lot of screaming gals out there will he sing will he not sing or will he do some vague sort of thing in between I'm going to play you a little blast of this we'll be right back Clippity clap, clippity clap, clippity, 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 clippity clapping along. There's a plug of chartabacky for a rancher in Corona, a guitar for a cowboy way out in Arizona, aggressive calico for a... I will start off by saying in an episode uh, like this one that has so much that jumps all over the time stream, as it were, and there, there is a moment that... One moment that that comes straight out of seasons one and two, and that is provided, of course, by the great Joni when she does her Frankie Lane Mule Train impression. I don't, I'm not going to do that here, but you may have just heard some of that. Look, I'm not going to play you Jailhouse Rock. You you know Jailhouse Rock. You you, you knew it would be something different than I just played. But that you know, what you just heard that was a bit of Frankie Lane Mule Train. That was 1949. That was in a movie from 1950. Um, Joni is, she's 14, right? So, I don't know what year we're meant to be in. I mean, 
she would have been six maybe or when it came out or five or not born or remember when she had a brother i don't know but she has the moment that she does that is to me right out of the first two seasons of happy days because it's a because there are lots of references to the time period and such but that's a very specific start of the 50s reference to a very specific almost sort of novelty song with like you know minimum wage yeah sorry um but but it's a you know it's a very specific thing. and for that brief moment and that's all really Joni does in the episode apart from look a little askance at ralph when he's and we'll talk about ralph and his very funny scenes ralph does some good stuff in this episode so it's about everyone everyone is really good in this and you know richie's had less and less to do as time has gone by Ooh, there's a jefferson high school football schedule underneath the phone i never saw that before if they have the schedule up does that Im- not imply that the season is still on going on and this is a because se- to me if it's a senior dance well it was, yeah, i was gonna say if it's a senior dance to me that implies that we're maybe like in may of may or june but i do remember at the start of my um and can we talk about that girl who was straight out of like a Tampax commercial from the mid seventies with the blonde feathered blonde hair? I don't know if it's feathered with the blonde hair and like the um like the uh, the the um uh, bell bottom flared sort of jeans who keep showing up in the episode. Like every other gal is wearing like a fifties um, dress except for this one blonde gal who Fonzie gives a long look at her behind and um uh, but <laughs> yeah it's a uh, t- look. Uh, people have told me again and again, Dan, you shouldn't try to pick out the time when this is set in. Although, and I'm not the expert on this, but I believe Laverne and Shirley, which we will be talking about in a moment too. We're going to be talking about about 10 things, and I, I only have like three of them written down. So if I forget half of them, for, forgive me. Here's 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 something fun. Here, here's something fun. Maybe I can get a, give a prize to someone or something. But if you could write down like maybe... Over the course of like two or three episodes, all the time I start a conversation, start something, and then get distracted by something else. Because like I don't remember what I was talking about before the blonde gal who's you know the summer's eve gal uh, suddenly showed up and you know she she'd like to teach the world to sing in perfect harmony. You know she suddenly showed up in this episode. So um, and I love her though. Don't get me wrong, but she is like she is an extra from that '70s show. And what she's doing on this '70s show, made in the f- supposed supposedly set in the '50s, is um, you got me. Uh, so where was I? Oh, I was okay. I was just giving uh, Joni her dues there, uh, because her and Mister Mister C they only have a brief scene in this episode. So right, is that right? I believe so. Um, so let me, what did I think of this episode? Um, it's okay. It's it's a pretty funny episode. Everyone in it. There are a lot of great lines in it. Everyone's really good in it. Um, I, I think the thing that lets it down is the climax. Uh, we could well we could talk about that if I remember uh, in a little bit. But I just think the climax of it is it's exactly kind of what you think it's going to be. And because of that, when it happens. And whatever, and it, it, it sort of it makes sense. You kind of don't need it to go on as long as it does. I mean, if you, if you're like, I'm try, I'm trying to think of um, 
I'm trying to think of an example. I will be darned. I couldn't come up with an example, but I'm thinking of... Uh, you, 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 you all have seen something like this, I imagine. An episode of something where people are preparing for something, they're about to do something, and you kind of realize that um, regardless of what actually happens, whatever it is they do, that it's more... I mean... Uh, you know, it's. I, I was going to say Laurel and Hardy's A Perfect Day, which begins with them, the family, all going for a picnic, and the 20 minutes short is them never making it to the picnic. Um, but that's not, that's not quite right. Um, but it's sort of like... It's like, so you know the Fonz is going to perform. You know he's not... Because that's the thing, and if the Fonz gets stage fright, he's got Laverne and Shirley doing doo-wop backup, and he's going to sing Heartbreak Hotel. Sticks on drums, and Ralph is, I think, on piano, and, and Richie is on guitar. And he's going to do Heartbreak Hotel. And when they practice it, he can't do it. And then he basically tells Richie, I can't do this. And Richie kind of lies for him and says, well, the Fods hurt himself. And then there's a very funny scene where Arnold and Laverne show start doing By the Light of the Silvery Moon. Um, on Moonlight Bay, and uh, and and you could see, like, like Laverne and... Um, um, Penny Marshall and Cindy Williams really like getting into the character. So, like, at that point in their final scene, if you were watching the show, and this would happen again in, is it 82? When we go from the end of the ninth season of Happy Days directly into the first season of Joni Loves Chachi. But this is what happens. We see them there. Um, Richie reminds us that they work at the the brewery in, in like, downtown Milwaukee. And then... um, you know, I know, I'm, I'm, it's, I'm not covering Laverne Shirley here. I had thought about doing the first few episodes because the Fonz is in the first one, I think the second one. But um, I'm going to tell you later on, I'm going to tell you there's a great uh, Laverne Shirley podcast that has begun. They're going to tell you what's going on there and do a much better job than I could. But Laverne Shirley is so great in this. And you, you could see that, yeah, the Fonz is going to do it, but you know that the Fonz is going to do something. And what the Fonz does is he comes out and he basically, he doesn't sing it, he kind of yells it. And he starts off calm and, you know, at that heartbreak hotel, well, the bellhop, he's, yeah, and he kind of does that kind of, I don't want to yell too loud, it's, I don't want to be um, silly, but, but he kind of yells it. And um, the gals go crazy for it and they scream and scream and it reminds me of like, when they used to talk about the Beatles playing, where you could, over the over the sound of the girls screaming and the bad sound system, you couldn't hear what they were playing, but it didn't matter. So he comes out and he sings, 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 speaks. There's a German term for that. What is that? Frank Zappa used to do that. Um, there's a, like, a, he sings, speaks the song, and the gals go crazy and jump on him and tear off his, um, clearly inspired by Elvis in the 70s, jumpsuits. And, um, and it's funny because... Um, that scene when he's going, Henry Winkler's great and everyone's great. It's a lot of fun to watch, but it feels anticlimactic to me because you know he's going to do something. And the moment he starts to do it, I sort of think, mm, we don't need to see the whole thing of this, do we? But they do show the whole thing. And by the end, Henry Winkler seems very amused throughout a lot of this episode. Um, there's a moment where he's making his bed and Ralph and Potts are trying to convince him to sing. And Ralph kind of leans onto Fonzie's bed and says, but Fonzie, and the Fonz kind of looks at Ralph, and the Fonz is kind of laid back on his um, pillows and looks at Ralph and says, hey, <laughs> what are you doing? And it was just funny. And like, 
Henry Winkler looks amused through a lot of this episode. Watch his face when he comes out and he does the singing. And it could be it could be him doing sort of a nervous kind of thing. But we've seen the Fonz. I, I think the Fonz is amused by all of this that's going on. This sort of suburban stuff that he doesn't fully understand. Um, but, um, but at the same time, some of it I think is Henry Winkler just being amused by what's going on, which is so fun. Um, but, but at the end of the day... Um, at the end of the day, I think that, that last scene goes on. I get it. I don't need to see the whole thing. Although we do need to see the moment where the gals rush him and kind of tear into him. Although maybe we don't even need to see that. Maybe it could have just faded out when he got to a decent point and the gals were screaming and yelling and kind of maybe moving. To, and maybe you saw like um, Arnold trying to hold them back or something like that. And then it faded out. And then when it faded back in, you saw the Fonz step, and his clo- step out of the, the men's room and his clothes were all torn up and everything. The Fonz even almost goes in the ladies' room, which geographically and spatially would work better than where the men's room is but um but he uh yeah i think i i just the, the tricky thing with the episode is it builds to a scene that when it happens it, it, you may not know what's going to happen but it makes perfect sense when it does happen because the fonz can't sing he knows that but he also knows that all he has to do is be up there and be the fonz and the gals will go crazy and that's what he does but we only need about 50 seconds to a minute of that and we get several minutes of it and i think it goes on a little too long um I'd like to see some more of the jokes and the goofing around. I'd like to see some more Laverne and Shirley. They're fantastic. And, and there's a weird thing, too, where, like, you get all these suburban kids, you know, going to Jefferson High and living in the, outs- you know, the suburbs of Milwaukee. But then you have these two, like, kind of brash working gals come in. They live in the center of the city. They live in a basement apartment that we're going to learn about. They work on an assembly line all day. And it's a very different sort of... I mean, obviously, uh, Mr. C is is working class, too, but it's a very different sort of thing, like owning a huge home or whatever the size of their home is. Um, their ever-shifting Escher-esque home, um, moving <laughs> moving and, and bending the laws of reality like Castrovalva, um, that... There, there's a difference between, like, owning the house there and, like, being two gals who live in a basement apartment, you know? Um, but I think... Folks got paid really well back then, didn't they? I mean, you could do that your whole life. I know my my aunt Rose worked in the at Kodak from. Geez, I was born in seventy three, and the the first time I can remember her in like the seventy six, seventy seven, something like that. She had been retired for a while, so she started working there in like in the like the mid thirties or something, and retired in like the mid seventies when I was a baby. And she was like she was like one of the first four men people women. I'm just going to say foreman, but you know what I mean, um, who was a woman um, in Kodak, in Kodak Park in Rochester um, uh, during World War II when all the guys were fighting. She was one of the first uh, four people, and um, and she worked there her whole life. And, and so, you know, and... and I don't know why. Why? Well, no, it's it's a working class sort of thing. And her, her, she actually lived with her sister, my great grandmother, and they lived in a lovely house on. Jeez, I forget what the name of the street was in Rochester, right, right outside of downtown Rochester. They lived in a big sort of house with a lot of strange sort of side rooms and weird spaces and big bowls of that ribbon candy, you know, that strange glacial ribbon candy that no one eats. Anyways, there there is something fun about having Laverne and Shirley there because they're there, and Laverne is, is kind of seeing the Fonz-ish. I mean, not really, but they're planning a date. But there is something some fun about these two gals who are grown-up women. I mean, they're grown-up women. They're not, you know, and, and even Laverne and Shirley are both like, mm, 
uh, singing a senior dance on a Saturday night ain't, or whatever it is, you know, ain't so great, Fonz. And so they're kind of grown up women, but they're there because, you know, it's, uh, they're helping the Fonz. They're helping the Fonz out. So, um, yeah, so the episode is, it's not a favorite of mine, but it's got a lot of great stuff in it. I just like I said. I just think I just think where it sort of moves towards. I do like what is it the um the tickets for the dance are a dollar, but I think Arnold raises to like two dollars or two fifty or something like that when the Fonz is going to sing. And um, so let me um yeah. So it's 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 a decent episode. I mean, we've had a lot of ones this season where it's been the Fonz doing this, the Fonz doing that. Um, and the tricky thing being, like, like Fonzie the salesman, he was a failure as a salesman. Fonzie the superstar, he's kind of a failure as a superstar. But because he's the Fonz, it don't matter, which is cool. Let's talk some other stuff about this episode. The Powder Puff Derby, the first mention that I know of, of Pinky Tuscadero. Pinky will become a major part for a very brief time of season four i mean i actually want to talk about that right now but i'm not going to if you listen to the other great happy days podcast out uh that's out there um they've already talked about the episodes that i'm vaguely mentioning right now and um and it's they're they're fun they're fun but yeah he he mentions the powder puff uh derby which is a, a gals um uh race drag race whatever it is and he's gonna be in the pit crew for pinky tuscadero that's when you hear her and i think i think does he say pinky drops him off at the, at the house which is cool because they you know pinky will be there the next season so she was very close to being there uh what is it arnold is great in this episode um He's uh, he's hilarious when he's singing "By the Light of the Silvery Moon," by the light, uh, not the sun but the moon, um, with Laverne and Shirley, and Laverne and Shirley sort of little dance and grabbing the microphone and everything is like I said a precursor to the great slapstick and stuff that would be part of Laverne and Shirley. Um, and Arnold has a couple other great scenes where he's on the phone. I forget what he says. It's like I don't want Tommy in the inner tubes. I want the Everly Brothers. Bob Dylan. Who's that? Um, and a great um, have we ever let you down before Arnold he says like I've never allowed you to get to a point where you can let me down and he's great in it and Laverne Shirley Green and Ralph is very funny in it Ralph has a weird scene well we'll save this for the end so Patsy is is interesting in it too because he tries to teach uh, the Fonz to sing and you know that's not going well because the Fonz the Fonz um, can't understand why it's taking so long to teach him how to sing and Richie doesn't have much to do, but he is the one who calls out the Fonz. Says, I never thought the Fonz would be a chicken, you know, especially over singing with all these gals out there screaming. I mean, like, they have gals, like, lined up around the block. They have, um, a, like, a setup in the, the like, showing the con. Apparently, uh, you can hear, not showing the con- you can hear the concert out in the, the concert. I think he does one song. Uh, my, my thought is that he does one song. He does one song, and at the end of the song, the gals rush him, Tara's jumpsuit apart and then run away and then wait for him to come out i get sort of no feeling that he um he does another song um uh so what else uh that's that yeah mr mrs c and then don't do much uh, mule train uh mrs c yeah recommends like a choir singer that she knows and yeah it's it's um i mean there are there are a lot of bits i could i could sort of go over in the um in the episode, I do like there. There is an interesting scene. I, I, it's it's not a scene I love, but where they try to convince the Fonz um, to 
do this and they're like they're walking him down an imaginary red carpet and there are all sorts of celebrities there and everything and you get to see a bunch of the Fonz's apartment he's got a really nice like sort of easy chair armchair in the corner I, I thought he would have maybe had a TV or something. I don't know. I don't know. Does the Fonz... I, th- I think he probably goes down to the Cunninghams when they're watching TV. Um, but you would have thought he'd have a radio, at least. I mean, if this is whatever it is at the end of the 50s, there's plenty of... Not as much, obviously, there was like five or ten years before, but there's plenty of like radio shows and things going on. But I, I guess the Fonz's company is his own, or he's with ladies. He does... When he, does, he, when he comes up to the room after... Um, um, Pinky drops him off. Um, Potsy and Ralph are there. He says, what are you guys doing here? Looking to pick up some leftover chicks or or something like. Again, I didn't write the line down. I'm sorry to embarrass myself in front of you guys and gals. But yeah, it's it's it's. There's a lot of fun stuff in the episode. I like I said, I just don't fully understand the point of the episode because we know that he's not going to become a superstar. We know that he doesn't sing. And what he does is great. And they tear him apart when he comes out of the guy's room and his jumpsuits, uh, you know, his Elvis 70s jumpsuit is all torn up and his, his hair's disheveled and all the fringes are torn off his um, uh, coat. And Laverne and Shirley, Shirley tries to give him the fringes back. And Laverne says, those are worth money. And they're like, oh, yeah. Um, you know, it's fine. And then, there's a great scene right at the end, too, where... Um, Richie dresses up as the Fonz, and the Fonz dresses up as Richie, and, and the Fonz does his Richie imperson, and, impersonation, um, which you could imagine is very funny. Oh, gee, golly, gee, oh, God, gee whiz, I don't know, golly, gosh, kind of thing. Um, and then um, uh, Richie's um, impersonation of the Fonz is just to stand there and just kind of wave his hand almost like the Queen, and you hear all these gals screaming. I do like how he runs sort of like um like a like he's evil Knievel or something like head first with this motorcycle helmet into a crowd of gals. We never see what happens there, but it's fun anyways. So so what I want to do, I do want to talk about the timing of when this episode is supposed to be set. I would like to talk very briefly about Laverne and Shirley because as you know, as I said immediately after this, the first episode which I believe is the Society Party, don't um fully quote me on that, but I think it is the Society Party premiered immediately after this and the Fonz is appears at the end of that we've got huge ratings huge ratings again though i i will mention the vernature here and there but that's not really sort of the purview of this but now for the next three and a half years the eight to nine p.m time slot on abc on tuesday is is set in place and um, and Happy Days in the Vernon Shirley would be like almost unstoppable. You know, it's it's crazy how popular they were for the next three and a half years or so until ABC starts futzing around with it. Um, but that's uh, that's another story. That's much later season. So uh, let, let me just let me just do this. Sticks. This is the second, I believe, final appearance of Sticks. He doesn't do much. He plays drums. We see him get excited. He says some funny stuff. The thing with Sticks, though, is they do a joke that um, I think I would have winced at when I was a kid, and now I I, I wince and try to figure out what the heck the point of it was because so they're trying to figure out. So, so, so Richie comes out and says, hey, you know, we're going to have, you know, Ralph Malph is going to, um, uh, uh, you know, perform for us because the Fonz has injured himself. L- lie. And uh, the crowd boos. They boo a lot. 
and for some reason Richie says Ralph will, will delight you or whatever with his impersonation of Al Jolson which seems hilariously inappropriate for that crowd probably hilariously inappropriate for that time I just thought a Jimmy Durante might have worked better but then it immediately cuts to Ralph and Sticks, and Ralph says, "What? I didn't bring my blackface." And Sticks says, "Would you want me to do the do the lines for you or something?" I, I again, I didn't write down what Sticks says, but it doesn't matter because Sticks is angry and responds in kind, and it's the crowd doesn't laugh that much, and it's not particularly funny, and it seems sort of pointless, and they seem to only be doing it because there's a black guy playing drums and i just found it odd and it's it's one of those things where it's like you can tell richie is kind of a, a well-off suburban white boy in the 50s because he doesn't realize that he said something like that um and he should pull his head out um before he says something like that again it's a it's a it's a bad joke and it's a bit of a stain i think on an episode that that's pretty darn good overall it's just it's just like where what what and like i said it looks like they're specifically doing it because there's an african-american gentleman standing right there not because it was going to be funny because it ain't so that's a weird moment that's kind of a weird spot to leave sticks because last time we see him he's drumming along to the fonz not really singing and you think oh sticks could have done more because in this he surely doesn't do much so let us end with a little dating right here. So we have Mule Train mentioned. That was 1949, then 1950. And we, we all know yeah, the, um, that we're definitely in the 50s. The weird thing is that, you know, I've tried to put us in the vicinity of 1958-ish, but some of the crazy timing of these episodes have been throwing me all over the room. This was even trickier because what I have read about Laverne and Shirley is that it kind of begins circa 58 and then goes around like 66, 67. And I, if I remember correctly, Laverne and Shirley has more like Happy New Year and giving the specific dates than Happy Days. Happy Days does that on occasion, but not that often. And so I remember Laverne and Shirley being more specific about the times periods it was covering. So if this is 1958, and because that's where Laverne and Shirley begins, then that's awesome because that's where I put this. The problem in this episode is that the Cunninghams and Joni are going to see Psycho, which came out in September of 1960. And this isn't September 8th, 1960. And the thing is, Ralph has already seen it. So this isn't something that just happened. You know, this this has been out. So this is, and this is meant to be the senior dance. So I'm, I'm guessing this is later, in, meant to be later in September 1960? 1960? No, 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 no. Because 1960, the guys would be out of high school. And Joni would be 16? Joni's still the same age she was in the previous episode. She hasn't gained two years. And they mentioned that, well, we'll go see Mr. Roberts instead. Mr. Roberts came out in 1955. And that's that's a tricky thing with this episode. Is that, and then they mentioned Bob Dylan. Bob Bob's first album was 61 or 62. You know, if this is 60, 58, was, I don't know. I don't know what Bob's touring was like. Be before he started releasing albums i imagine he was traveling around places and did stuff i i don't really pre you know 
like freewheeling Bob Dylan, his second album. I don't know that much, and I apologize. But they're jumping all over the place in here. And this might be really, a, truly an episode that's meant to be a melange of melange of of time 55 to i mean they're so they're going to a theater that's playing psycho and mr roberts that doesn't seem like that makes sense to me um and and when they say that it's not like they said like okay check the paper or check whatever we have to find out what else else is going on um they're leaving ralph ruins the end of psycho they say oh we'll see mr roberts and he ruins the end of mr roberts i forget do they say another film i, I don't even remember but they leave right then and and that's funny stuff with with Ralph keeps ruining these movies and what about Cinderella the shoe fits uh but it's it's a, it's kind of a weird moment cuz this is 1960 no no I don't think so I don't think we're in the 60s yet I think some mention would have been made of the fact that we're in the 60s and just throwing that joke in there makes me believe more than ever before what people have said Dan don't try to figure out a time for it it's all random it's all meant to be this random mix of of things and bits and bobs Eh, you could be right the problem is like I said that I'm fairly certain Laverne and Shirley kept Laverne and Shirley kept to a stricter time schedule which at the beginning here goes alongside the time schedule the very beginning goes alongside the time schedule of happy days so things suddenly make zero sense i'm gonna stop talking now because i'm confused and this next episode if this episode is set circa september of i'm gonna say 58 i don't care if they're going to see psycho or not let's if this is set in like september october you're going to get confused by the next episode so this next episode is Two Angry Men, airing February 3rd, 1976. Listen to this. Paris, written by Joe Glauberg, uh, February 3rd, 1976. It's uh, wintertime. There is a blizzard. Um, possibly this takes place a month or two or something after Fonzie the Superstar. I don't know. But there's a blizzard, so we keep leaving winter and coming back to winter, and I don't know anymore. I, I do know that at a point in the future we will get a specific date for where we are in an episode and we'll probably get more but i'm just gonna leave it at that so this takes place sort of at the start during a blizzard during winter the Fonz, who loves brando is doing a little on the waterfront gonna put a pigeon coop on the roof of the garage which sounds dangerous and kind of dumb to me because if i remember on the waterfront brando is like on the roof of like an apartment building kind of thing like on a proper roof not on like a suburban like you if you if you put a pigeon house or whatever the heck it is on the top of the roof in the house i'm in it would slide down the roof especially snowing 
and he puts it up there. He kind of asks for Mr. C's permission, not really. He says, can I keep some birds? Sure. The roof caves in. There's a huge hole in the roof. Uh, Arnold's um, uh, cousin Marvin Carpenter shows up, says it'll be $400. Uh, Mr. C says, well, Fonz, you're going to pay for it since you broke it. The Fonz moves into a motel or a hotel. Mr. C is starting to think serious about taking the Fonz to court to get the money when he finds out that the Fonz is taking him to court. They end up in court with the Judge McBride, played by June Lockhart. The Fonz represents himself. Uh, Mr. C has a lawyer, but he ends up representing himself, and they go back and forth, and um, I, I, I guess we'll do spoilers. I mean, it's not going to hurt anyone one to know that as much as the Fonz is able to manipulate everyone, including the judge, he loses the trial because he broke the flipping roof um, but then he ends up kind of winning in the end and Mr. C ends up being a bit humiliated because um, I don't know he's the old white guy I don't know it's it's a strange it's a strange episode because I think it's very funny and I think it does a good courtroom scene although it was funny as I, I was I was watching it and I saw June Lockhart I thought of Dr. Craig from Petticoat Junction obviously she was also um, you know, Ma, the Ma on Lassie, but I know her at this moment best for being Dr. Craig B. Benderet's uh, replacement on um, uh, Petticoat Junction. She does her best as Dr. Craig. Um, she never, they, they try to make her like a Kate replacement, and then after a few episodes, it becomes kind of clear that that doesn't quite work, so they kind of just make her another character on the show, rather than kind of like an anchor, as like like Kate and Uncle Joe sort of were. Um, but I like I like June Lockhart. I'm a big fan of Anne Lockhart, um, uh, and um, yeah, she is she is a Judge McBride, and and but the funny thing is like when I was thinking of watching her, I was thinking of Petticoat Junction. When I think of Petticoat Junction, I think of Green Acres, and I think of some of the and and seeing Ralph do like a Spencer Tracy thing with his suspenders. Is it Spencer Tracy? You know, he he's doing like um the Southern lawyer thing with his suspenser suspensers. That, that's those are Spencer Tracy's suspenders are suspensers. Uh, when he's doing that, all I could think of is um, some of the great courtroom scenes throughout Green Acres, because Green Mr. C uh, is 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 great, but he's not who I'm talking about. That's Oliver, Mr. Mr. D, Mr. Douglas, but he and he was a lawyer, of course, is the character. So so there's some great uh, scenes there, and there's the one with the drought, where Mr. Haney takes Mr. Douglas to court. Is it J. Pat O'Malley who who does the lawyer? The lawyer who keeps doing the Spencer Tracy impersonation and uh, <laughs> uh, that's great. Um, but the the courtroom, the bulk of the episode, about fifteen minutes of the twenty five minutes are in the courtroom, and they're fun. Um, you know, Fonz does everything he can to manipulate everyone, and and Mister C on on occasion, I guess he becomes unlikable. I I don't. It's weird because like the verdict delivered is kind of, I would guess, kind of close to what the law might be. But the rest of it is all played out so oddly. I, I guess, I guess I, I, won't, I won't go crazy talking about this episode because I think it's a straightforward, funny episode that makes an error with its lead character. Now, it's one thing to have, like, if, if like, this was Petticoat Junction, it would be one thing to have Kate Bradley. But I think, isn't there, is there an episode where they take Homer Bedlow to court... I, mm, I don't I don't think so off the top of my head, but there might be. 
Um, but but there are episodes where they had to go up against Homer Bedlow, and and the thing with Homer is you know you're, you're there to sort of humiliate Homer when he's trying to do horrible things like like you know flood the Hooterville Valley and stuff crazy crap like that and just uh, uh, but but this is Mr. C. Mr. C. and the Fonz are the only characters who are in every single episode of the show. If you've seen the show all the way through and you get to the end, you know how much they mean to each other, and you know they already mean to uh, uh, a lot to each other right now. And you know that, yeah, Mr. C might be um, sort of a bit too, you know, stern, middle-class, white guy, late-50s kind of thing, which he certainly is. Uh, and the Fonz kind of leads this strange, charmed, almost superhero-type life. But this episode is a weird one because it grounds itself in sort of a real thing happening. Uh, the Fonz does something that he probably shouldn't do. Causes uh, damage to a roof. He refuses to pay it. Mr. C refuses to pay it. They go to court. Fonzie takes him to court, remember. And even though Mr. C wins, he gets humiliated and the Fonz ends up. And he gets humiliated to the point where his family doesn't want to be seen with him. And so he says, I'll pay half. And then the Fonz says, okay, I'll try to find a way to get the other half. And then Ralph and, and Potsy come in and say, hey, all the kids in the neighborhood say they'll pay half. So Fonz, Fonz breaks it. Takes Mr. C to court, humiliates Mr. C. Mr. C's going to have to put up $200. The Fonz doesn't have to do a thing. The crowd loves it. Everyone in the courtroom loves it. I think I would have had a problem with this when I first saw it, which would have probably been in a rerun uh, in the late 70s, early 80s, and I have a problem with it now. Not that it's not funny. It's a very funny and amusing episode. Um... And Joni gets a fun tirade, which doesn't seem quite appropriate, especially how the crowd applauds. It's weird because it's weird because I love the Fonz, and the Fonz, like I said, I think he's a superhero. He can do anything, but he shouldn't be able to do this. Um, I I don't know. It'd be like um. You know, uh, yeah, uh, Mr. C, uh, I, uh, can I borrow your car real quick? Sure. And the Fonz goes out and hits a guy with his car and kills him. And then comes back and like, you know, the Fonz, um, we, we got to get that fixed. And you, um, you know, you hit someone with my car. Hey, Mr. C, what do you want me to do? You know, it's your car and that hit somebody. Hey, I don't have anything to do with that. I'm the Fonz, huh? Hey, hey. And I was like, oh, Fonz, you're hysterical. And they applaud. And there's like, there's a dead body. And there's a dent in the car. You know, and the judge is like, well, uh, Mr. Cunningham, uh, that is your car. Now, I'm going to have to charge the Fonz to fix the dents, which the Fonz could probably do for free. Um, but um, uh, you, that is your car. And the Fonz is so charming that I'm going to let uh, this go. And um, be happy that I don't... Um, um, uh, haul you in for manslaughter you know it's it's a weird it's oddly done and it's i think it's miscalculated is what it is because at this point we're building the fonds and building the fonds building the fonds and this is february of 76 i mean fonzie mania is rolling over us and to me, when Potsy comes in and gives Mr. C the, the envelope saying the Fonz is taking a court, that's like, what? What? But the crowd is like, yay, the Fonz is doing that. Well, the Fonz is doing... No, it's never like... It, it, the scene seems to keep forgetting that the Fonz is the one who brought Mr. C there. Mr. C is defending 
defending himself. The Fonz is very charming, and everyone in the audience loves him, and everyone laughs at his jokes. The bailiff is the only one who laughs at Mr. C's jokes. And the Fonz's jokes in the courtroom aren't his best. And <sighs> it's a weird sequence where, yeah, if it were some sort of villain, if it were that, what the, what the freak is that? cop's name that 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 cop that we don't like you know who's shown up a few times if he was the one who the Fonz was up against in court that would be worth hooting and hollering going yeah but not mr c mr c you know was renting him the room now granted the Fonz is paying but mr c didn't have to let him in there mr c has rented him the room mr c they apparently give him free meals they let him come down to watch tv they let him be part of their family they let him in at freaking christmas last year or two years ago or three years ago or four years ago. I don't like the Fonz in this episode. I don't like the way he acts. Mr. C might be a little uptight, but that's his character. That's the way he is. And he loosens up more or less as the show goes along. So I just find this to be a really weird episode that miscalculates what we want out of this we i don't i don't want to see mr c denigrated to lift up the fonz there are a couple moments in this where the crowd cheers the stuff the fonz does that just make me shake my head i it's funny yeah it's funny it's a very funny episode um but it's just like you got it wrong and i think the audience there that night and I think people probably watching it at that time. This would have been the night when the second episode of Laverne Shirley was airing. And I know ratings were through the roof at this time. This was when they were really going up and up and up. I don't think the crowd would have cared. I think it would be like, oh, Mr. C, you're so uptight. You're getting put in your place. But that's short-sighted and wrong, I think, in, in many ways. Um because Mr. C is right. Now, now they do point out that, like, yeah, you know, friends would have worked this out and talked this through. But then the show shoots itself, pardon me, in the ass again. Because Mr. C and Fonz argue. Fonz goes to the motel. Mr. C tells his family he's thinking of suing the Fonz. His family says, don't do it. And, the, and Mr. C says, okay, let me go and talk to the Fonz. We can work something out. And then Patsy shows up and says, the Fonz has taken you to court. So the Fonz is the one who doesn't want to work it out. But then in the end, Mr. C is called out for, like, <laughs> defending himself in a case that he's been brought to. I, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I, I mean, I know we're joking around, and I know this is a goofy sitcom, but these are two of the absolute main characters of the show. Mr. C and Mrs. C are sort of like the heart of the show, and, 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 and the Fonz is like the big star, overarching star of the show. And to have them do this, to me, is... This could be me looking at it from a 2020 perspective, um, but to me, is a bad move. It's kind of stupid. Luckily... All the stuff with the pigeons, because in the end, there's a great, there's a lovely scene in the end where Mr. Mrs. C are, are babysitting the pigeons who have all come back because they flew the coop and now they're back. And Mrs. C, oh, Howard, are you getting frisky? Uh, well, uh, good times, frisky. And Fonz takes his pigeons back and Mrs. C says, let me keep the pigeons. And he's going to bring the pigeons to Marion because she gets excited when there are pigeons around. I, 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 can't, I can't vouch for that. That's a lovely closing scene, but you realize in that scene that 
um, nothing's changed. You also realize that those pigeons are never going to be seen again. And the roof is never going to be mentioned again. And you realize that if you were watching the show when it originally aired, unless you saw it in a repeat, there's every good chance, six months, 12 months from this point, you wouldn't remember this at all. But I'm sitting here going over it in great detail. And I remember it. And I think this episode gets on my nerves. Um, I am confused. I will say one thing. Marvin, Arnold's cousin, is said to not understand English and only speak Japanese. And yet whenever the Fonz is saying something wacky, if you can see to the back of the crowd, Marvin's back there with Arnold and Marvin is in hysterics. Now maybe Arnold is quickly translating to him, but they're laughing at the same times. So the episode is even forgetting its, its, its conceits from earlier within itself. It's an episode that I laugh at, but I can honestly say I kind of don't like. I don't like what it does with Mr. C. Is he a little conceited at times? Sure. Is the Fonz super conceited? Yes. Yes. Does the Fonz get everything he wants? Yes. And generally, that's the fun of the show, is that the Fonz gets exactly what he wants. But don't do it at the expense of, of the people who gave you a home. I, I know he's, he pays the rent, but like I said, they, they didn't have to give him. They, they feed him. They, we've, I already said this, but don't, 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 don't uplift one character that we love by denigrating another. That's dirty pool. That's poor writing. That's bad structure of your show that that ain't the way that ain't the way you do it we can spend a hundred episodes laughing at oliver wendell douglas and the fact that he never gets it he never understands it but at the end of the day you know he and lisa are in love and they go in the bedroom together and the lights go out hey you know that's that's better than what i you know is happening to me right now i'm talking to you guys you know when i finish this i'm gonna have you know some nachos or something i don't know what's going on but the, the thing with oliver is that yeah when oliver might lose lose every battle but in the end he wins the war mr c is different though because oliver is is a rich lawyer was mr c as as Fon says in here isn't rolling in money sometimes he's really struggling and the fact that the Fonz, uh, like the Fonz, the Fonz does his job at the at the at the, what I don't know, like. What does he make working at the auto repair shop? If the rent is fifty a month, that can't be everything he does. No, I mean, it's just I just think I just think this episode is a screw up. Of in the end, I think it's got a lot of great stuff in it. It's screw up, and I will say one more thing, and then I will bow out for this episode because I think I'm getting too negative for an episode that's very funny. I just think you and and you you can have an episode of a show. That is very funny. That is very dramatic. But that is tonally wrong. And this one is like that. I mean, even when Howard's family, Mr. C's family, turns against him in the end. I mean, that moment where the Fonz is like, is like doing his shtick and just like, and just like, oh, you know, he's he's been on the road since he was six and blah, 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 and all this stuff. And there's this point Mr. C just yells like, what is going on here? And the thing about it is, like, you need to, if you have two of your main characters coming up against each other like this, you need to do better than this. 
you need to resolve it better than this because they're resolving it for their breakout character, the Fonz, and leaving one of the other main characters in the dust. They kind of do that with Richie, too, and um, I don't like it. Now, like I said, when we start the next episode of the show, all this will be forgotten. If this is ever mentioned again, I will give each of my listeners a crisp $5 bill. American money. Or a Canadian if you want it. Or an Australian dollar. I've never seen an Australian dollar. But it doesn't work for me. And I'm going to mention one more thing. that, And I know what you're saying. Dan, stop. I'm going to mention one more thing for me that doesn't work. And then we're going to wrap this up. So the roof of the garage is the roof of a garage. It's not the roof of an apartment building. It's not someplace you can walk along or that has like a pool in it or something like that. So building the pigeon coop on that is a bad idea, I think, immediately to begin with. I mean, it seems like an idea that's just going to become something terrible is going to happen immediately. And that's exactly what happens. So, oh no, I just realized I have the episode playing here. I got two things. Which one to do first? We'll do this one first. So it breaks, and and uh, Mr. C is like, yeah, Fonz, well, you should pay for it. And then eventually he's like, okay, the Fonz and I will talk. We'll work something out. But the Fonz is like, no, Mr. C is paying for it. And then the court is like, no, the Fonz is paying for it. But then all the kids in the neighborhood are like, we'll pay half, and Mr. C will pay the other half. So Mr. C has to pay the half, blah, 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 blah. The problem is about 20 or so minutes into the episode... Ugh, and I have the, the bit here on, on here right now where Mrs. C, Richie, and Joni are yelling at Mr. C for being such a cad. Garbage. I'm sorry, garbage scene. Uh, garbage scene comes out of nowhere and to me makes no sense. Um, but um, there's there's a thing that happens where the, the judge awards the money to Mr. C and then she says... You know, although I, I do that, the Fonz is a very nice boy, and I really think, Mr. Cunningham, that you were very wrong in not um, finding some way to work this out. I mean, that roof was 30 years old. You should have done something about this. It was going to collapse sooner or later, something like that. And, and then that comes up like three, two or three more times the next minute or two. Dad, that was 30 years old. Yeah, Fonz, it was a 30-year-old roof. It was a 30, and, I'm, and so I went back to the beginning of the episode, and I thought, oh, okay, okay, that makes, okay. So at what point do they say the roof was 30 years old? At one point do they say that, you know, a good heavy snowfall? might have wrecked this roof or something it was just like the roof was going to collapse anyways it was just that little extra weight that did it so it was it was as much the state of the roof as it was putting the 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 coop the pigeon coop on it um i will give someone a shiny new dime if you can tell me where it's said in the episode before the judge says it 20 minutes in because i can't find it to me, I thought maybe it would come like Marvin, like as 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 Arnold was translating Marvin, he would say something like, "Well, you know, it's four hundred dollars. Why is it four hundred dollars? Well, the roof is thirty years old. It was near collapsing, anyways." But he doesn't say that unless I missed it, unless I have some sort of copy that doesn't have that. But throughout the whole thing, there's never any mention that the roof is in some sort of trouble. You know, and none of the other portions of the roof collapse. If it wasn't the pigeon coop, why didn't other portions of the roof collapse because of the blizzard? Why did just that one portion that the freaking pigeon coop was on collapse? 
and it, it comes out right in the end. Mm, it was 30 years old, and it was probably in danger of collapsing. Anyways, hey, you know, I, I, you know, I lived in um. Jeez, how old was the house? Like, I live in a house right now that's like 50 years old or something, but we just get rain. We don't get the snow. I was going to say, like, the house I we lived in in the, in the 80s, King 76, Kingsgate North in Rochester, that house was like 30 years old, 25, 30 years old. We had huge snowstorms. My, my dad used to put, my stepdad used to put all kinds of Christmas decorations up. That roof never collapsed. And it's it's to me, it's idiotic because it's like, suddenly out of nowhere it's like well why is mr c why is you know uh, why is mr c um demanding this the roof was so old it would have collapsed anyways wait a minute what you should have mentioned that earlier truly truly that's the way the drama works you don't suddenly pull this thing out of your hat saying well it would have collapsed and it was 30 years old and even Mr. C's like, yeah, it was 30 years. And even they give him crap lines. And it's like, what? And it's like, if you're already, if you if you already love the episode, you're going to love it even more because Mr. C is completely, apparently in the wrong. I don't know. It's garbage to me. Um, but if, you, if you're annoyed at the episode, you're going to get even more annoyed when you hear that. Oh, the, the roof being 30 years old. Where'd that come from? Shouldn't someone have brought that up earlier? Isn't that pertinent to the evidence of the case that the roof was really old? Why does that only come out when the judge is delivering her verdict? That doesn't make any sense. And it doesn't make any sense because it's a bit of, I love Joe Glauberg's script for all the jokes, but that's poor writing. That should have been mentioned earlier. Maybe it was. Maybe I missed it. I watched it twice. I didn't hear it mentioned. And the moment it comes up, I was like, 30 years old? What? garbage and and that just that just kind of makes it like and everyone's saying oh that's the reason why everyone dislikes howard in this one maybe you should have clued us in sorry we're just the viewers give us a freaking clue and then it ends and i'll just end here it ends with mr c kind of talking to the fonds and being like hey you know this is so so when he learns that the kids are going to pay to his 200 dollars, and mr c has to pay 200 the fonds doesn't have to pay anything even though he was the one who broke the freaking room well 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 no he was the one who who put the thing on the 30 year old roof and it collapsed during the huge uh, blizzard but there is a point where mr c's like okay fonds explain something to me you broke my roof you took me to court I won the case. I'm, I'm getting some of these. I won the case. We decided to split it. Now the kids are going to pay for your half, and I'm going to pay. I'm going to pay the other half, and you don't have to pay anything, and you get away scot free. Why is that? Because I'm the Fonz, hey, and everyone applauds, and it's why we love the Fonz. The problem is that throughout that run by Mr. C, the Fonz nods at everything, and when Mr. C says, "You broke my roof," the Fonz nods. Case closed. You broke my roof. Nod. So I'm just going to leave it right there um, because I know what you're saying. Dan, this episode really annoyed you. It's always kind of annoyed me, I think, since I was young. I, I don't like I don't like the way they, they do it. It seems like it's going to resolve itself in a decent way, and it kind of sort of does in the in the um the sort of postscript scene, but not in the courtroom scene. The courtroom scene it it forgets that Mr. C is one of the main characters of the show, and I do not like that. So we're gonna wrap this up right here. 
Um, again, they're both funny episodes. They just both have things in them that don't appeal to me. So what is up next? All right. So next up, uh, we go February 10th, 1976 for Beauty Contest. And then February, another another Glauberg, I think. February 7th, 1976, Bringing Up Spike. Was this the last appearance of Spike? I'm not sure. I think he might appear again. Uh, this is long before Chachi. So uh, so we have Spike. So uh, thank you, everyone, for listening to the episode. I'm sorry if I got a little down in that last one. But sometimes when something annoys you, you gotta you got to work through it. So thank you for listening. And listen to this. Gray sky, hello blue. There's nothing can hold me when I hold you. So right, it can't be wrong. Rocking and rolling all week long.